Kia ora, and welcome to another edition of the GeoDorable podcast with your hosts, Chris Morris and Mark Thompson. For more information on this episode, visit the GeoDorable page on Facebook. Hello, Chris. Hello, Mark. How are you? I'm good. I'm uh, sacrificing for the cause. I haven't turned my heater on in my office because um, it's too loud. So I'm kind of you know cold. What? I thought about that and then I turned my heater on because it is cold. And, ah, uh, yeah. So um, that hum in the background is, is your heater. You've been yeah, nice I and toasty. Yeah, I, I just don't care about the environment as much as you might, clearly. <laughs> well, I care about the listeners, Chris. It's all about the listeners. It is indeed. And uh, I wonder how they are on this. Well, in New Zealand, this pretty wet and windy uh, winter's uh, evening. Uh, elsewhere, I'm sure it's, uh, it's much more pleasant. Other parts of the world have better weather than New Zealand. Not all parts, but other parts too. Sure. Yeah, and welcome along to uh, episode 71 of Geodorable, the world's greatest geospatial podcast based in New Zealand. <laughs> Another disclaimer. <laughs> um, and uh, speaking of disclaimers, Chris, the uh, comments and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of our own, not of anyone we work for or work with. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, and Chris, we always need to start off now. Things, seeing things have changed in your life. We need a dog update. Uh, my dog's got bigger. Uh, and uh, so, some might say fat. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm dealing on that, dealing with that. Um, but we got a trainer around the other day just to kind of help us with the kind of dog training thing. Yes. And uh, yeah, he, he basically said you need to feed your dog less. <laughs> yeah and it's like those um dog trainers are similar to um people you get in to help you with your babies they basically tell you that you're the problem well <laughs> the, the child slash dog is doing exactly what they meant to do i'd like to say that my cat is the problem um because it keeps she, feeding your dog <laughs> no because basically she has abandoned the household because she's scared of the dog and the dog's kind of like doesn't even like the cat anyway uh, and she keeps on leaving her food out I mean, she doesn't clean up after herself, and so the dog then sneaks in and eats the cat food, and that's why the dog's a bit more weighty than it needs to be. <laughs> right, it's solely the cat food. Yeah, totally, it's cat food. And the kids yeah. feeding yeah. it. <laughs> feeding their lunches when they get home. Hey, dog. Yeah, yeah. Now I don't get in trouble any- anymore because the dog ate my lunch. Yep, exactly how it is. Oh, brilliant. Okay. And anything else happening exciting, Chris? School holidays, so you know those uh, the, the kids are hanging around, you know, trying to find interesting things to do. Um, feed the dog, feed the dog, uh, play Fortnite. That that's kind of it. Yeah. yeah. So pretty low expectations in the Morris household. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Yep. Yeah. What about yourself, Mark? Yeah. Anything exciting going on in your life? I know this is this is the reason listeners actually listen to this podcast. Uh no, not really. I. We're uh, managed to ditch the children next week. I mean, um, other people wanted to look after them. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah, it's going to be a child-free week. Looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, off to the UC next year, Chris. Uh, next week. Next week, yeah. Um, have you got your your flights booked? No, no, I haven't. Hotel accommodation? No, no, no. nothing like that this year. Um, and yet, I'm how... not as excited. How do you reckon uh, San Diego is going to cope without you? Uh, considering how often I've been, I think they'll cope fine. Um, okay. I, I don't know how I'll cope without San Diego. 
Yeah, it must be probably going. I don't know, but it must be quite hard. You know, lack of conferences and you know going on there at the moment. Yeah, it probably is. Um, I don't. I don't even know if they're doing Comic Con. I presume they're not. Um, mm. Yeah, it must hurt. And maybe they could charge this for the hotels for once. <laughs> well, that's $500 a night for, a, you know, <laughs> sharing a room with someone else. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. Right, shall we get into it? Yes, come on. Let's get on with it. Spatial news. And in the news tonight, Chris. Spatial news. The bed twice. Nice. Yeah. Um, I see what I did. So, so, I mean, we've, we've already uh, indicated where we're starting, but you know, it is the ESRI conference, the UC, the virtual oh, conference yeah. next week. Biggest geospatial conference in the world. Um, yeah. And now it's going to be all over the world. Yep. Do you reckon they'll ever go back to normal? I mean, this might work so well. They'll be like, nah, we don't need to have these conferences in person anymore. Uh, I don't know for San, Di- San Diego's sake, you'd hope not, but yeah, maybe. Um, so, Chris, it's an immersive online GIS event. Do you know, I am particularly looking forward to how it's going to work. I'm, I'm quite, yeah, uh, kind of keyed up. I want to know what how, how am I going to interact with, uh, well, how am I going to virtually network with thousands of my peers? That's that's a kind of question. That how how do you usually on. do it, Chris? Uh, I, I, uh, I do a podcast. Oh, right. uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Go around leaving your cards everywhere. Yeah. How do we engage uh, with sponsors and exhibitors? Like, what's it going to be like? Is it virtual? Is it going to be... Uh, yeah. Can I can I put my AR headset and virtually wander around? Yeah, or that flying thing where you lay down on it. Oh, Look, I Looks like fun. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Um, who are you going to have? Go have a cigarette without the front. I don't smoke, so it doesn't matter. Oh. oh. I thought that's how mm. you did your networking. No. Um, yeah. So the agenda's out. Um, oh, sorry. The agenda, not Jack's agenda, um, is out. You didn't get that joke? Or just no, I enough? did. I just lightly skipped over it. Uh, okay. but, I mean, but carry on, by all means. <laughs> um, I must say the plenary, it's a, a little bit even more. Um, what do you say? Good news rather than technology? Well, you, I, I guess, given the uh, you know, what's going on at the moment, um, you want a bit of positivity, don't you? Like, oh, yeah, you know. yeah. You definitely get that from Jack. I mean, he he, he is uh, Mr. Positivity about, about yeah, giant true, solving right. the world's problems. But I don't particularly want to go to a conference and come away feeling more depressed than I went to it with. <laughs> you know? No. That's right. I want to be. I want, I want to be challenged a little bit, of course. But uh, yeah, I want to have a positive time. Do you know the the thing that I am trying to work out in my head how it's going to happen? Is you know when you go to plenary and Jack stands up and we do the, why don't you turn you know, turn to the person next to you and shake hands <laughs> and introduce yourself? Yes. How are we going to do that virtually? Yeah. Um. And the theme for our conference is interconnecting our interconnecting our world. Mm-hmm. Um. That's that's pretty good saying. Um, I do wonder if they're going to have a new slogan this year. I think they've they've kindly slipped away from the science of where, haven't they? I don't know. I I still see it pop up every so often. Um, I know it's still on their site, but yeah, maybe they'll yeah. do a new one. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe they'll rip off another um, New Zealand Australian 
Ed for Hutes or Pickups, <laughs> as you may know them. Uh, please review previous podcast. Can't remember what number, but we discussed that. Yeah, with them. Um... Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, we've got some special guests, Dr. Vicky Phillips, who's uh, the ex- from... executive vice president and chief education officer for the National Geographic Society. Oh, that's going to be good. You've got to love the National Geographic Society. Well, yeah, the magazines were always interesting. And then Jeffrey Sachs, the president of the UN Sustainable Development Solutions Network, UN SDG advocate and director for the, of the Centre for Sustainable Development at Columbia University. Do you know one thing I will say for our, um, our fair colleagues in the US is they tend to have way better job titles. <laughs> they do. Um, I, I, I need to talk, talk to someone about becoming a vice president. What about an executive vice president? I wonder what the executive adds oh, to it. I, you know me, I don't like to aim too high. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so, you know, vice president will, will be enough. Yeah. Um, and the agenda, Chris, have you been through the agenda? Uh, with a fine tooth comb, Mark. Yeah, I, I, I did that this afternoon. Um, and I always find... You read something, you think, oh, that sounds interesting. Then you read the rest of the blurb and you're going, ah, I kind of know that already. Or it's yep. not as interesting as you want. But then you do find the nuggets. You've got to sift through What I'm going to be uh, interested in, in in seeing how well they do it. So uh, we did a webinar today, did we not, Mark? Oh, we did. We did. And, 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 it, and it, it was amazing uh, because, of course, it was amazing. Uh, and we have one slight technical hiccup, right? Um, yeah, it happens. I blame you. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're doing hundreds of sessions. Yes. Oh, my God. I'd be like, you know, I know how much how nervous I was before the webinar uh, you know, from a technical perspective. And you're going, oh, they're, they're, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, I, they would have been the practices I did for the webinar, Chris, which was run through it like three times mm-hmm. um, with a real fine tooth comb. Again, um, going, does this work? Is this better? Can I do this? Like just, just honing that thing. Yep. Um, so I imagine Ezra doing that. I mean, they're all stuck at home. What else are they going to be doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah. So, gender's out. Um, shall we jump to the next exciting part of the conference? Of course, go for it. Spatial news. Chris, there are sponsors at the conference. Uh, yes, there are. Uh, I, I was just looking, and uh, I like the um, the the use of in brackets. So gold in brackets, it's virtual, virtual. Um, sponsor. As uh, yeah, um, AWS. Yeah, you mean Amazon Web Services? I think everybody knows what that means. Pays to spell it out sometimes. Um, yes. Now, considering how much that was, did we? I don't think we actually discussed prices on this podcast. No. Uh, I, um, but we do kind of know how much that actually cost. It's a fair it chunk was, of cash, eh? It was a fair chunk. I wonder if they paid in Bitcoin because it's virtual. Here all night, try the veal. <coughs> Moving on. Um, Cartograph. Uh, yep. Um, the Cartograph is kind of new. Like, I mean, they've been there. But, um, yeah, it's not something we come across often. No, well, we are in uh, the far corner of the uh, the world. Yeah, um, I don't 
believe they've made it over here. But um, no, and same with the next one, CityWorks, and I cannot understand why. Of all the oh, CityWorks um, is uh, asset management systems yeah. I've seen, CityWorks well, is the simplest. But bought by Trimble. Yeah, and yeah, relatively recently. Yeah, we kind of missed that in the news, I think. Um, although it's asset management, we wouldn't quite talk about it. But yeah, if you actually, I mean, we're not even sponsored by CityWorks. Um, but every time I see it, I go, oh, wow, that's asset management made simple. Mm. Um, yeah. How do you think How, how do you think it's going to work, you know, in terms of uh, actually interacting, uh, you know? I don't know. I'm um, hoping a lot of digital avatars, you know? Yeah, I'm kind of, um, I've also signed up, there's another conference next week, which is called the Field Days in New Zealand, which is an agricultural conference. Oh, yep. um, it's the biggest one in the Southern Hemisphere. It attracts 40,000 people a day or something stupid. Um, like it is massive. And I go there every year with the kids and the kids, I know, they peak at about five hot chocolates oh, for the day. Wow. Yep. <laughs> um, all free. Um, last year, my son, I know, got about six hats. Um, it's all about the freebies with you, isn't it? We, I mean, this is a well-established <laughs> uh, position. It is. Um, I, I have my lunch, I have my um, day set out on on what what my food is. So I get a pie for morning tea, and then I get a um, proper lunch at the bank, and then I'm on to um, the Zespri Kiwi fruit place for the afternoon tea of sausages and, and soft soft drink. But anyway, point being that there's lots of free stuff there, and there's lots of free stuff at this conference, and I don't know how I'm going to get it, Chris. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. Um, but I'm I'm looking forward. Um, perhaps they post it to you. I can't see them doing that, but yeah, maybe they do. Um, but yeah, all the usual people were there. Um, got mm. good old Trimble. I mean, a lot of the, the Dude Solutions is a new one. Well, you, you flick through actually, and and one one thing I quite like is how um, uh. Gold gold sponsors uh, have a big logo. Silver sponsors uh, have a little logo, <laughs> and then below those, they don't even get their logo. They just you know they they're premium virtual. Yeah, uh, they just get their name. Um, I like it. Yeah, yeah, they really do put you in your place. I but but yeah, how we wander around, how we see things, you know, what it's going to be like. I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Because you, you 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 spend you literally could spend days in that hall, um, you know. I'm I'm wondering how long I I'm going to get to spend <laughs> virtually in the hall. What I did always find amusing, Chris, when we were there last, was I kept bumping into you in the hall, which yep. is just incredible because it's such a big yeah. place. How do you do that? Well, yeah, but I'm very uh, I'm very kind of uh, odd looking, so you know I probably stood out. <laughs> Yeah, um, so yeah, I don't know. Have a look through it. I think um, one of the things I'm picking up though is sign up for stuff because you're going to get the videos. Yeah, yeah and yeah. for those of us who are you know in a more advanced time zone um, and don't <laughs> like the thought of getting up at four a.m. when it's cold outside, so maybe we get to see it before it's been done. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, Chris. No, I, I'm surely surely they've got to be pre-recorded, haven't they? I would actually think so. Um, the other thing, though, Chris, we should jump on the bandwagon, is you can book a tech session. Yeah. You could actually, for once, book a tech session and go, I want to talk to this person, and this is what I want to talk about. 
Yeah, but I mean, that sounds great. But there was absolutely nothing like wandering around the hall, seeing the Esri person, seeing the queue, wandering off and finding something else, and then <laughs> never actually going back to the Esri person that you meant to, you know, that's the whole reason you went to the conference for. Um, I'm going to miss that. Yeah, okay, you know, different different objectives, obviously. Mm. Um, but yeah, get advice from the experts. Um, yeah, yeah, book in early. Yeah, I mean, they don't, they aren't really extending it outside of Pacific um, time. Well, but um, that's what kind I'm of also going to miss. What I'm also going to miss is in the past there's been a little bit of guerrilla marketing by Esri competitors. Yes, I, I'm, I'm I'm interested to see what they do now. Whether there's kind of you know some um, sly hacking on the side, uh, you, you know, um, yeah, be funny to see, wouldn't it? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> right. Spatial news. And one of the things that's really going to change, Chris, in the in the next year, mm-hmm. is ArcGIS field maps. Yeah, yeah, and, this is quite interesting, isn't it? Now that's a plural, not a singular. Field maps. Yes, it, it it's a. Say that again. It's a plural, not a singular. Uh, that's true. Apart from, it's a single app. Yes. It so it's, it's a little bit confusing. It's called Field Maps, but it's actually just an app. <laughs> Sorry, is, but, is renaming well, not confusing? <laughs> so as I understand it, um, ArcGIS Field Maps is a combination of a collector, explorer, navigator, tracker, and workforce. So they're, they're kind of you know bringing together the multiple apps into a kind of a single app, which sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Um, well, it's less confusing than, than previously. It does depend on how customizable it is, because you've you've always been like start with the simplest thing possible, mm-hmm. like collector, and mm-hmm. then maybe move. I mean, they're not replacing survey one two three, but um, yeah, it, and then move upwards. Now you just get the whole kit and caboodle. Um, so can you customize that? Can you take off bits and pieces? I don't know, but sign up to the beta mark. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Maybe, and but the other question, of course, is what's the level of licensing you need? Because Collector is, is with the field worker user, mm-hmm. um, but Navigator is a premium product. And I think anything else? Workforce might be as well? No, Workforce isn't. isn't. Um, I don't believe so. Um, I, I don't know, Mark. I mean, you know you know as much as uh, as what's revealed by uh, Esri at the moment, but it's a good question. Um, if, you've, if you've bought a bunch of Navigator um Named users, no premium apps, no whatever they're called. No, just field uh, workers, field field users. Yes, uh, but if you've bought Navigator as a premium app, I, I imagine that kind of I oh, come on, Esri are going to sort this out and it's all going to filter through and it's going to be fine, surely. I, I suspect it's fine because you need to update your license, probably. <laughs> um, but you know, it's quite good. It was starting to get a little bit confusing if you're kind of going out there and you're not, you know. You have to jump from navigator to collector and from collector back to navigator to survey one. It was quite confusing. Yeah. And uh, and I I I have to say I used to yeah I like workforce. Um, simple lightweight, maybe a little bit too simple and lightweight, but simple and lightweight. I liked it. Um, really keen to see what they do here as well and whether there's going to be kind of yeah integration opportunities. Um. So they've got a bit of a Q&A and they've also got, um, I mean, something exciting, I think, Chris. They quite haven't solved the Navigator problem. So it's in three phases. 
Um, with phase one and or starting with phase one, you'll be able to launch consumer navigation apps like Apple Maps and Google Maps. Um, and other yeah. things that are available from the app. So that's quite cool. Yeah. Um, with phase three, they'll bring in the capabilities navigator. So they haven't thought they want to do it. They don't quite know how they're going to do it is what I get. Um, and then one of the questions, how does this affect licensing and pricing? The short answer is that it does not. It does not have additional license feel and will honor all current user types. Um, yeah, if it doesn't quite... I see. If if you log in as a viewer and you've been assigned a premium, then they can still do it. Um, yeah, and then the the, you know, the question on, on your lips there, Chris. How does it affect ArcGIS Survey 123, ArcGIS Quick Capture, ArcGIS Mission, ArcGIS Indoors, and ArcGIS Earth? How does it affect them? Uh, they all remain focused apps and will not be incorpororated yeah. into field maps. So look, I, th- I think this is uh, I think this is probably a step in the right direction. Um, uh, it can get quite confusing and I think this is hopefully going to clarify a few things. Yeah. Uh, and, and you can't can, make things if worse. You can, yeah, well, and, and if you, uh, you you can go and sign up to the beta at the moment. So if you're a you know, user already, sign up to the beta and um, yeah, provide some feedback. Yeah. Spatial news. Um, and one of the mappings not used to, mentioned in the FAQ, Chris, of course, is... Bing. Bing. Uh, and it's changing its base map data provider. Yeah, kind of interesting. This, um, you know, uh, in the past, Bing, uh, yeah, Bing Max platform has, a bit like Google, used multiple um, providers, uh, you know, to provide, uh, you know, background data and routing and, and so forth. Although, you know, the mapping data, um, Bing has chosen TomTom, um, and uh, TomTom are now going to provide all of uh, all of the Microsoft. world except yeah. China, Japan, and South Korea. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean they've been working together for a while, so it's not a super big surprise. Um, I mean we're still surprised Microsoft invests in Bing. No, uh, we've been nice about Bing recently. Don't be mean well, about it. We we did when we realised that even though they have a small percentage of the market, the money they make from that market still justifies investment. I mean it's not Google Maps money, but it's still pretty good. Well, uh, you know, and they have a nice um, dashboard thing, didn't we? COVID dashboard, remember? That? Oh, that yeah, we, nice. liked, we liked the dashboard. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I think, it, are the stars aligning, Chris? Are we seeing, you know, the, these um, big data mapping companies are emerging now with the big consumer-based mapping products? And then Esri's, you know, coming in on their coattails and going, yeah, yeah, we're here too. No, I don't know. Maybe it's kind of the uh, the GIS versus versus location platform argument, isn't it? What's the difference? Uh, the color. <laughs> okay. Not quite sure. Uh, I should look this up today. It's quite complex. Yes, it is. Uh, all right, let's move on. Okay. Spatial news. Now everyone's favorite open source uh, 3D web scene application. <laughs> what a wonderful little, 
Wonderful description there. Are uh, you talking about cesium, Mark? <laughs> How did you guess? Uh, because uh, we planned this earlier. All right. <laughs> cesium, Chris. We love cesium. Yeah, we do. Um, it's open source. It uses um, open data standards. It does caching. It does things pretty good. It's highly, because it's just a JavaScript library, it's highly customizable. Uh, and uh, what's it doing now? Why are we talking about it? Ah, uh, well, Chris, they have put in a whole lot of 3D buildings. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, and when we say a whole lot, we're talking three five zero 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 zero. Uh, three hundred fifty million. That's right. Three hundred fifty million buildings uh, taken from the um, OpenStreetMap. Yeah. Um, uh, and it looks pretty stunning, actually. Um, been playing around a little bit, uh, and um, they've got yeah, good data sets. Yeah, and if you want to see the power of of their caching of um, tiles, it's it's a really good example. Um, so you know you can go down to um, I don't know where are we? It looks like a bit like New York or something. I don't know. No, it's not New York. Somewhere. Anyway, lots of big buildings for us, all in 3D, and it's all coming through fine and fast. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's good news, you know. Um, uh, you know, getting getting more data into um, cesium, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is Washington they've got here. I don't know where that is. Um, yeah, go have a play. If you're, you and know, it, it looks like, what, uh, LOD2, something like that. Um, yeah. The, the buildings look all right. They're all right, and you can always, um, you know, use other software to to drape imagery over them or, or put on um uh, not skins what's the word i'm looking for uh i don't know textures what is the word? textures textures that's the word yeah um so yeah watch out for cesium it's looking good yeah cool spatial news and finally About- chris yeah, I mean, you, uh, I, I'm going I'm to let you talk about this since uh, you chose it as your, your story of the week. Um, yeah. <laughs> Do we need a separate jingle? Mark's story of the week. Uh, maybe we should, apart from we're not going to. Uh, we also have Mark's story of the week that Chris would let him talk about, not the other ones yeah. that get rejected. Yes, well, you sometimes come up with some really bad ideas. <laughs> no idea is a bad idea, Chris. Yeah, you often prove that saying <laughs> Just maybe lacking anyway. in quality. Anyway, the elephant in the room, Chris, is literally the elephants on the map. Oh, that was good. Uh, that was kind of proper dad joke. <laughs> uh, so uh, we all know Africa has elephants. So does Asia. But we're talking about African elephants, the ones with the big ears. Sure, Mark. Keep going. Well, you've got to, got to know your elephants, don't you? You do have to know your elephants, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so this company uh, has been working actually across Southern Af- Africa with a lot, um, with a lot of different ranges from different countries, so Nairobi, uh, South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, the company's Earth Ranger, mm-hmm. and their project. Well, they're doing the Great Elephants. Oh no, they're not doing Great Elephant Census. Um, basically they're just putting out a lot of software to help people track maps and when I was reading the story uh, elephants why would you track a map um, so across Tanzania 
they're putting a lot of resources into helping ecology in in the southern Africa. Yeah. Um, and it's by this company, which is called Earth Ranger, which is actually built by Vulcan Inc. And Vulcan Inc. are like, uh, it's like a commercial arm of a rich person who wants to do good. <laughs> Does that make oh, any God. sense? Um, uh, yeah, so, kind of. So the Vulcan Inc. was started by a guy who started Microsoft, who wasn't Bill Gates. Okay. <laughs> Um, and him and his wife are putting a lot of money into um, Vulcan to um, do, go do good stuff in the world with technology. Can, um, I, can I just clarify, right? Your, your story is basically about uh, rangers mapping elephant locations, right? Oh, and 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 um, snow leopards, Chris. Oh, and snow leopards, because you get snow leopards in Africa, do you? With elephants? No, you don't, but... Oh, okay. Um, they're helping different projects. That's the point of this oh, Earth Ranger. Okay. I mean, and, God, our listeners are out there going, "What the heck is Mark talking about? <laughs> what has he been drinking?" Well, not okay. not enough is, is the usual answer. <laughs> so basically, Earth Ranger system is kind of like a GIS system, but basically used for tracking kind of uh, animals and and conflict with uh, yeah, yeah they and, come into conflict with humans. And it's given kind of free um, to, to organizations that are working with these animals. And they're also data sharing. So when the elephant walks from Tanzania to Nairobi that, and it swaps into different um, different societies who are protecting it, they can all yep. get the same um, same data. Um, they even put it on their rangers, Chris, their elephant rangers, and found out one of them was doing poaching. Oh, um, well, they put a, a GPS chip on and the dude went out with his chip. On and okay, well, you know, that's just silly, yeah. Um, but the other reason we're talking about this because when I was reading this, I was like, oh, that seems great, but why on earth did they go build their own mapping platform? You know, Mm -hmm. there's there's quite a few good ones out there. There's obviously Esri, Mm -hmm. um, there's here, um, and there's Mapbox and Cesium, as we've said, etc. etc. And you scroll down, and it turns out it's actually Mapbox, so the whole thing's good, eh? Mapbox technology. Yeah. Um, uh, yes. Good. Yeah, it's exciting, Chris. I'm, I'm obviously not I being do, as do, coherent uh, as I need to be. Do, do you know what I do wonder? And, and uh, maybe it's important. Maybe it's not. So you know, you look at, uh, at Mapbox and you know, great product and all that kind of stuff. No criticism of Mapbox whatsoever, right? But then you also then go, well, um, Esri is the Living Atlas, right? And all the information that you get through the Living Atlas. Um, wouldn't, wouldn't that be useful in this kind of thing, you know? Yes, but I suspect Esri's licensing policy kind of prohibits going across countries. I no. think I think the no. elephant would need like five named user licenses. <laughs> you think the elephant needs its own named user? <laughs> yeah, I think it does. <laughs> yeah, trying to trying to fit tracker onto an elephant. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Might uh, struggle with a mobile phone. I don't know. Yeah. And um, then, well, then you've got the auditing, Chris, because you need to find out how many elephants you've got for how many licenses you need to buy. <laughs> Imagine then, those elephants. You know, yeah. One, well, you know, think about elephants. Once they've kind of, you know, they've learned something, they always remember it. So you just need to teach one of the elephants how to kind of, uh, you know, install um, <laughs> uh, enterprise, and then it, it it always remember. It'd be brilliant. Yeah, I um, I think your bigger problem is actually the snow leopards because they're just impossible to find. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you you see those on the you know uh, you know you're scrolling through the news and they always have the little 
story that they're, they're trying to get you to go to and it'll be the can you see the snow leopard in this picture and uh, you spend <laughs> hours looking at it and uh, and then you find it and yeah anyway it's a snow leopard yeah <laughs> but um yeah good stuff with uh with gis and a bit of i don't know inter-country cooperation to uh, to help our ecology yeah cool and that's the news chris awesome <laughs> um yeah i think ending on elephants was quite good well i mean everybody likes elephants right i don't know how you don't like an elephant no i don't do you prefer the african or indian elephant african yeah funny eh just because I mean, they're so much yeah. bigger i mean I've, I've seen um the indian or thai southeast asian elephants mm-hmm. i mean they're still impressive good grief they're impressive um, I was very lucky uh, when I got married. We went on honeymoon to. Um, <laughs> Careful. What? We went on honeymoon uh, to me. Botswana, right? Uh, and we went um, to the Okavango Delta, which man was amazing. Uh, and yeah, you you, uh, you saw elephants, and I have this fabulous picture of uh, of my wife, um, and we're in we're in a you know jeep thingy, whatever they call yeah, and um, this massive african bull elephant bursts out of the tree line behind us it's probably like you know uh 20 30 meters away and um, i swing around the camera to take a picture and i've got this amazing picture of my wife just kind of you know ah with this big elephant with you know massive ears and the kind of trumpeting a brilliant picture i love it uh makes me laugh every time i see it um yeah but anyway amazing yeah they are amazing animals yeah yeah they are um but yeah we'll have to find out more elephant related facts um i do know they're very silent when they walk uh, very silent as opposed to just a quite a bit silent yeah because they're actually walking on their tippy toes if you've seen their have you seen an x-ray of their foot it's actually on um tippy toes so they don't they don't have a fat (laughs) foot (laughs) whilst i know what you're talking about i'm just imagining elephants on tippy toes and it's not (laughs) quite working for me (laughs) <laughs> uh, now we're getting into the elephant jokes okay move on move on. <laughs> fun. right topic of the week topic of the week now chris topic of the week this is kind of my fault isn't it i forced you to do it well yeah in those um i, I actually the last one was was your fault as well because you were having a grumpy man day, grumpy old man day, and really? uh, we had we had some topics lined up for what we would discuss, um, and then we decided that what the world doesn't need now is the world's number one geospatial podcast, you know, being a bit down and grumpy. Yes, yeah, I, I did feel yeah that we we need to be more positive and have a you know, yeah, and uh, more of an outlook. Uh, well, uh, just just. Not to talk about what we were going to talk about. Not it that way. Anyway, moving on. Our listeners don't need to know we had like a major fight. Didn't talk for like three days. Uh, you know, they don't need to know that. No. Um, um, so instead, Mark, instead. Instead, uh, this is, this is, you studied under this man, didn't you? No. Oh, is that not right? No, it's not. Instead, we're profiling the world's greatest geographer. Wow. Aren't we? I know that's what you said. Well, I don't know if he's the greatest geographer. I mean, that's kind of... Ooh, ooh, you're in that camp, are you? 
No, I'm not in any camp. I'm not in a camp. Don't label me, Mark. Don't label me at all. Anyway, let's get on with it, right? So, uh, today, this afternoon, this evening, depending where you are, or this morning, uh, we're talking about um, Waldo, uh, Waldo Tobler, right? You know, who who is known for the uh, first law of geography. Well, he, and he did more than just the first law. He I wasn't he like the it. geography police. No, no. Obey no. the law. But... You know, if, if you if you work in our industry, which many people do, uh, and if you listen to this podcast, which you know, many thousands of people do, uh, then the chances are you've heard of Waldo Tobler, right? But what you might not know is that much about him, because I didn't know that much about him before um, we started doing a little bit of research. Um, you know, you kind of, you may have done a, you know, your, your geography degree or your master's, or you may not, but, you know, he kind of crops up, but you never go into that much detail. Well, yeah, and just just putting a good disclaimer across here, I never studied geography. That explains an awful lot. <laughs> uh, so, so he was kind of new to me. Um, you know, I used to think there was only Jack, and then you hear about uh, <laughs> Roger, and, and now you're bringing Waldo on me. I mean, it's just yeah, just a yeah. wall of information. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's let's talk about Tobler. Well, you know, to, to start with, I mentioned the the uh, yeah the, the first uh, law of um, geography, uh, and we're going to come back to it in a sec. But that's kind of what he was he was kind of famous for. Um, but uh, you know, he's uh, he, he's done many other things. He was a very prolific um, you know uh, writer of papers, um, and uh, he had a second law that you know people you know don't really know that much about. So. Uh, yeah, he was uh, born on the 16th of November, 1930, in Portland, Oregon. However, he wasn't American. No, he had uh, he had Swiss parents. Um, so, uh, Werner Tobler was his, uh, his dad. And um, I'm going to wreck his mother's name here, sorry. Uh, Hanny, Hanny Tobler. Just remember, it's feminine, Chris. Yep. Uh, yeah, and so he, his dad was the um, what well, consular official is what they've called it, but we'll just call it a diplomat. diplomat in, uh, yeah, for the Swiss modern. government. Yeah, and they moved around a lot. Yeah, so he uh, his family moved to Seattle when he was a young boy, uh, and then um, uh, at the start of the Second World War, uh, his um, his family moved back to Switzerland. Uh, and then later on, um, Tobler joined the American Army in Switzerland, which <laughs> just like me, ironic. I didn't know you could. Why don't you, why don't you join them in America? But anyway, yeah. uh, he joined them. Uh, and this is this well, is maybe really he wanted to see some action because well, maybe for the war for a while. Um, but he became a counter. He worked in the counterintelligence group. So basically, he was a spy. I'm making that up. Maybe he wasn't. But, uh, <laughs> well, he worked in the counterintelligence, right? There's little um, information about his time in in the intelligence corps, which you know. Obviously, highlights that he was a spy. Yeah, right. Uh, and he, he, well, he was trained in Russian. Right. Um, However, he already spoke English. No, no. And he, yeah, he spoke Swiss and French Swiss. in addition to English. So, you know, perhaps Russian is, you know, wasn't that difficult. God, I'm envious of people who can speak multiple languages. Anyway, um, so yeah, he, he was in that counterintelligence uh, corps during the war. Um, and, uh, I'm imagining, I don't know, but I'm imagining he would have come across a lot of maps, um, including those really cool you know, Russian military maps that um, I think most people understand what I'm, you know, when we talk about that. Um, 
uh, we're here in uh, in Auckland. Well, I'm here in Auckland. Uh, it's really cool. You can go and find the old Russian maps of New Zealand, uh, and it's all in is Russian. It's very cool. Anyway, <laughs> so after the war, he uh, he um, completed his undergraduate work at uh, the University of British Columbia, Columbia, and received a PhD in geography from the University of Washington. Yes, so you're obviously quite keen on uh, on geography then. Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's probably the case. What, yeah. what year did he receive his PhD? Sixty uh, one, I think. Yeah, sixty one. Um, and he he stayed at the University of Washington uh, for sixteen years. Back then, of course, um, he had a job for life. Um, although he subsequently moved on to uh, um, he subsequently uh, moved on from the University of Washington to the University of um, Michigan yes and then he moved to the California University yeah. of California um, so he got around I imagine he's just going for the sun in California yeah probably you would have thought after being in Michigan going oh yeah, yeah. I need some sun yeah um, but but Chris, he did more than that. He he, I, I, doesn't quite say, um, but he used computers and geography at a very, very young stage, early stage, nineteen sixties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, I mean, that's um, that's before you could put things on the screen and and change the color. Uh yes, yeah, totally. So he was. He was really into using, uh, yeah, computers for you know modeling uh, geographic information and research, um, and he was also really into uh, projections. Do you know he he has his own projection? He does. Yeah, um, yeah, based on uh, was it an equal area Mercator projection? Um, yeah, it, it looks kind of like a web Mercator, but is um, on a square on the edge on the sides instead of being rounder. Yeah, what well, is yeah. cylindrical? So. Why wouldn't it be? Yep. Um, he was also well known for, for publishing papers, uh, and he published over 200 during his lifetime. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive, eh? It is. Um, and he he was the first deviation, no, sorry, derivation of partial differential equations for area cartograms. That um, wow. was one of his inventions as well. Um <laughs> He was obviously a big thinker. Ah, um, uh, yeah, it, you know, highly, uh, highly intelligent, as you can imagine. Um, although it can't be that bright because he went into geography. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, no, I was actually thinking the opposite. You know, if they actually in geography before I, you know, at school, if they taught about this guy, this would be far more interesting than what I learned and only did geography because it had a camp. Because it had a camp. Yes. Did you, were, uh, you know, geography was for me was, uh, you know, truncated spurs and oxbow lakes, and it was very much the kind of a physical geography kind of thing. Um, no, everything just glazed. I just glazed over everything. Going, yeah, okay, interesting. This yeah. isn't this isn't interesting, and it wasn't. But this actually sounds interesting. So his uh, the, the first law of geography. Um, it's quite interesting. He didn't just come up with the first law of geography. In fact, um, what. The, the term, so basically the first law of geography, for those who don't know, including Mark, who didn't know, terrible, uh, is uh, that everything is related to everything else, but near things are more related than distant things. 
Yes, and it does depend on your definition of a thing. Uh, when you tried to explain this to me, Chris, I was like, no, you're wrong. Um, but then I actually read proper definitions, and I was like, okay, I get that now. Oh, good, good. I was a little <laughs> bit worried that you were going to be the sole person in the world who was kind of disagreeing with, uh, with the first law of geography. <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad we've moved past it. Um, he actually, uh, so that first law of geography, um, he wrote that in uh, a paper in 1969, Um that was then further published in 1970, I think it was. Yes. Uh, and it was called, uh, the paper was called A Computer Movie Simulation Urban Growth in the Detroit Region. So it yeah. wasn't even as though he'd written the first law of geography and that was his paper. It no. was it was kind of like a, a, a almost like a throwaway um, sentence in the in the paper itself. Yeah, and it's not, it's, it's kind of like, you know, all great scientific understandings. They... And they're built on something else. And this was built on fraction of distance. Uh, which is the notice that distance usually requires some amount of, of effort, friction. energy, time, and or other resources to overcome. You mean friction of distance, don't you? I do mean friction of distance. Just, Sorry. just checking. Yeah, just Honestly. Checking. Yeah, what am I drinking? <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, and, 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 and you know, uh, I got to thinking about this the other day, and this is kind of why I ended up doing a bit more research, because I kind of read it and was like, oh, yeah, yeah, cool, first law of geography, yeah, right, fine, everybody knows that. And then when you start thinking about it, you realise how fundamental what he's said actually is to an awful lot of, you know, the, the, the geoscience, the, uh, the analysis that we do on a kind of a daily basis. Um, it's pretty profound. Well, yeah, it is. I, I have thought of a flaw with it, though, Chris. Oh, my God. I thought we'd move forward. Go on, then. No, well, it's it's this human um, element. So the example given, one is this, likely to travel across town to purchase a sandwich, then walk to the corner store to buy the same sandwich. Mm -hmm. um, but the key word there is same. Um, and as COVID, uh, COVID proved, especially in affluent areas of Auckland, people would drive a long way to justify buying their sandwiches or fish and chips, um, passing multiple <laughs> shops on the way because they didn't quite batter it right. So, so you think the fundamental problem with uh, the first law of geography is humans? Yes. Well, it's usually the fundamental problem of all. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is, that's true. Um, but yeah, you know... Uh, but in general, if you take humans out of the equation, are you okay with it? <laughs> Can you take humans out of geography, Chris? Oh, I bloody hope so. If 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 a, a thing exists and it's not observed, can it be geography? Yes. Well. Oh. Anyway. Um, so 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 yeah. So the uh, the first law of geography pretty fundamental, and it allows things. Well, allows for it explains or helps explains things like um, spatial dependencies, spatial autocorrelation. Do you remember spatial autocorrelation? I used to talk about this stuff in your MSc or your masters. Or yeah, yeah I don't about it so much anymore. Uh, inverse distance weighting, spatial interpolation. You know, all those kind of things are, are fundamentally based on on the first law of geography. Yeah, I think. I think what was interesting for me was he used it in his mathematical models when he's developing a lot of these processes that we we use now and that he yep. used this concept. Um, yeah, in his, in his computer models. Um, so you got accurate representations. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he also did the second law 
of geographies. Yeah, which is far less popular, I guess. Um, I think if you asked most serious geography and GIS people, Mark, what the first layer of geography was, they'd, they'd probably be able to tell you. But if you asked them what the second was, um, I don't think they, they'd be able to tell you. And I certainly wouldn't have been able to tell you um, straight away. Uh, actually, I just want to jump back, Chris, that the first law of geography actually requires the need for geography to be defined first. Okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, so, so the, what second, is the law. second law, what is the second law, Mark? Uh, the phenomenon external to an area of interest affects what goes on inside. It's not, I don't know if it's quite as catchy as the first one. Well, the word phenomenon. Phenomenon. It, it's certainly true that if you Google the first law of geography, you'll have no trouble finding information about it. You Google the second law of geography, um, not not quite as much information. Yeah, well, and remember, they're not actually laws as such. It's not quite like um, yeah, the law of gravity. Yeah, you're not going to get you're not going to get sent to prison, right? If you break it, although I'd like to see you try. Um, <laughs> have, I, have I been that much of a heretic for geography? Uh, but but the point, yeah, the second law of geography, the, phenom the phenomenon external to an area of interest affects what goes on inside it. Um, I reckon that's that's not too bad, is it? I I actually like it more than the first. I don't know if you're allowed to do that. I think uh, you're allowed to do uh, anything. What, what, what rules so well, we like. are there in geography? I don't know. It's new to me. <laughs> anyway, so he has a first law. He has a second law. I don't think he went as far as the third law. Um, maybe you did. I don't think so. I, I think you did. I think the third law is that geographers must wear um, socks with their sandals at all times. Was that his? I believe so. It's either his okay. or Jack's. Okay. Well, anyway, after after the success of the first and second law, not sure about the third law. Uh, yeah, in 1977, he left Michigan, uh, Michigan, uh, and uh, he went on to develop what became the stellar Department of Geography <laughs> at the University of California in Santa Barbara. Much warmer. Um, I think you're probably right. I'd probably go there as well. I think. I, I just like the way that he either was excellent at um, at marketing. And when they said, what are you going to call your department? And go, well, no, it's the stellar department. I like it. It's, you would have thought that'd be more of an astro um, physics kind of department. Yeah, but maybe he wasn't allowed to use a geography term because no one understands it. Um, so he was there from 1977 to his uh, retirement in 1994. It's a good innings. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and uh, he, he, one of the things that uh, apparently he was he was uh, he was known for, or you know, he was he attended an awful lot of scientific meetings. You know, his his influence, particularly in the geography uh, space, was much wider than just cartography and you know geography. He was engaging with others, so he was engaging in the social science space and uh, you know engaging in the computer based analysis, uh, data analysis space. So it wasn't just. Yeah, he wasn't just a geographer. He really liked to take that geography into other areas, and you can see, therefore, why there was kind of you know he he laid the grip, the, the foundations, or the uh, the groundwork for for GIS in general, or geographic yeah. information systems. Also, I think he's one of the kings of naming his papers or his speeches. Uh, his uh, you know, who can forget his uh, July nineteen ninety nine presentation at the Esri User Conference? The world is shriveling as it shrinks. Oh, I like that. Um, which was the same conference he also got the Lifetime Achievement Award yeah he's done alright when it comes to those kind of things he had his Lifetime Achievement Award and the uh, he also received the 
O.M. Miller Medal in Cartography in uh, in 1989. Do you think the um, Lifetime Achievement Award is actually called the uh, Golden Sandals? Uh, I don't know. I am thinking there might be one too many dad jokes in this episode. Um, however, uh, his other honours include... Um, uh, honorary membership in the National Academy of Sciences, member of the Royal Geographic Society, and an honorary degree from the University of Zurich. Not bad, eh? Yeah, I mean, I don't have one of those. Well, an honorary you don't have degree. any of those, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, I think, I mean, it's interesting. He's obviously really fundamental, but you need to dig deep to actually find his full influence. Yeah, and, and what yeah, like, I found in, in you know, kind of researching him was that given how influential he was uh, in uh, in the industry, um, there wasn't as much as I had hoped there would be. Um, you know, you kind of go on Wikipedia and you have a look there and there's some it's stuff, but, you know, not much. Um, and, it, and it was actually so. So he died um, 20th of February 2018, aged 88. So not bad. Um and uh, I actually found, you know, a lot of the infra interesting information about him personally. You know, um, he he was married. He had a couple of kids. Um, yeah, that was that was in the obituary. Uh, and uh, other than that, it was it was very kind of um, what would I say? Stark. You didn't really get to know much about him as a person. You just kind of understood more about his achievements. Um, but clearly, he was a you know a uh, you know. An interesting guy to be around you know he was um you know uh charismatic he would uh you know in, engage others in 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 you know his learnings and so forth so um yeah you had to dig around to find that kind of information um i certainly think if you you know you're working at um either of those uh you know department of geography at uh santa barbara or or michigan it would have been fantastic to work with him yeah it must have been no, but he was still, I mean, there's a, jumping back a bit, in 2003, he released a freeware Microsoft Windows-based version yep. of um, FlowMapper, or called FlowMapper, yeah. which um, was then well, inspired some work um, in ArcGIS as well. Well, not not by yeah. Esri itself, but... But, but you know, again, a the nice, same nice thing. example of there of uh, somebody who's willing to, you know, like guess all academics really are willing to share their work with others for the benefit of you know the the the, the, uh, the industry i guess yeah. um, so i did find a, a good interview with him that we'll, we'll post on uh yeah the website um and it kind of gives you an insight into uh, to what he was like a little bit more um so it's well worth watching yeah so yeah a giant of uh, the geographically in, in industry yeah and uh first law second law not sure about the third law. Sandal law. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and that is it, Chris. It is indeed. Um, good. It was educational, I felt. Well, I mean, that we, we like to be entertaining and educational. Um, you know, where else can you uh, enjoy a podcast? Well, I don't know if you enjoyed it. Where else can you enjoy a podcast that, you know, covers such diverse things as Esri conferences, elephants, uh, 350 million building footprints and uh, you know, fundamental laws of geography. Um, I, I think only here, Mark, is where you're going to find that kind of information. That's right, on the world's number one geospatial podcast based in New Zealand. <laughs>